Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. <laughs> you expected <laughs> me to go woohoo, but I didn't. I was. I was waiting for your weird little, like, you know... <laughs> mouth spasm or whatever. Uh, anyway, here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions come from you. If this is your first time to The Art of Charm, Fan Mail Friday is a great sample of how we operate at AOC, but by no means a full helping of all our show has to offer. Listener interaction is one of my favorite parts of the show, our favorite parts of the show, and without you, we would have no show. Our typical content, though, is much more in-depth with well-known top performers in their field. We work to unpack their methods, their theories, and their hard-earned insights. These are people you either know or should know, and we use a longer format to help you understand what processes or steps they used which helped them become successful. Then we distill those concepts to help you apply them in your life. For a great place to start, check out some of our most popular episodes at theartofcharm.com, where you can find the best of as well as our fundamentals toolbox, which includes topics such as reading body language and nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking and influence strategies, persuasion tactics, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. I'll send all that to your inbox if you text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444, or just go to theartofcharm.com. Or you can even grab our iPhone app at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone or slash Android if you got one of those. All right, let's cut to it. Hey, Jordan. I've got a buddy of mine who's always been a super cool guy. He and I would go for brews and talk about our goals, etc. We're both young college grads and have above-average jobs for our ages. We've recently been hanging out less as I had to move to a new city for work. Also, he had recently started seeing this woman and she's taken over his life. I've tried talking to him about it because he's openly said he has no control over his life anymore and he feels like he's completely at the mercy of this woman. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty happy for the guy, but last week I was in town for my birthday and he bailed last minute to hang out with her instead of me. Which I don't really mind because I get it. New relationships are exciting and whatnot. But he's also become a vegetarian because of her. No. I, I don't know about <laughs> you, Jordan, but I I can if if I had a dollar for every girl that turned me into a vegetarian, I'd be a millionaire at this point. <laughs> okay. So, like at what point are you changing too much of yourself for someone else? I know people do this all the time, but he and I have this pact to tell each other the things that we need to hear and not just what we want to hear. Is this something I should be worried about or is there no problem at all? Sincerely, BV. Hey, BV. So it's funny, the first line when he says, she's taken over his life, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe he just likes hanging out with her. It takes two to tango. Somebody can't really take over your life. But if he's skipping your birthday and he's not hanging out with you at all and he seems completely at the mercy of her, I'd kind of like to know why. I mean, he said he has no control over his life anymore. That's a little weird. And I, I'm still falling back on my it takes two to tango type of thing. But it really depends on how severe this really is. I mean, if she's really, really controlling, that's a big problem. But if he just likes hanging out with her all the time because he's, you know, got a girlfriend, well, I, I get it. It's unhealthy and it's a bad decision process for him. And I think, Jason, and I don't know about you, but in college I had I had a, a lot of friends where when they would get a girlfriend, I wouldn't see them for a year. And the yeah, day they broke up, <laughs> yeah, the, the day they broke up with their girlfriend, they're like, oh, we need a guy's night. And I'm like, I have an exam tomorrow. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm busy. And they're like, well, no, you guys never hang out with me. And they do that kind of crap. Yep. <laughs> it was really annoying. And I always just resented those folks. So it is kind of a problem. And you might want to say something about it that's not going to trigger him in that way. You can just say something like, Hey, man, you know, I, I never really get to see you anymore. How are things? I wouldn't say we never see you anymore because you're always spending time with that girl. Ah, her, her or me, because you're going to lose that one because 
well, there's reasons that I don't need to go into why you're going <laughs> to lose that battle. But I wouldn't worry about the vegetarian thing. I think a lot of guys change when they're with somebody. They try new stuff. If he misses steak and he realizes I can never eat meat around her because she yells at me and makes me feel guilty, there's an element of controlling there, maybe a little bit of potentially borderline... And I'm I'm going over the edge here, but that, that's that's a sign of an unhealthy relationship. If someone's overly controlling, think about it this way: if you did all of that stuff to a, a woman, you know, you can't eat this and you can't do that and you can't see these friends, it, it would be borderline or not even borderline abusive. However, I think for a lot of guys, they put up with stuff from the female side that they really shouldn't. Now. A lot of that's on him, but a lot of it might be the slippery slope where it's getting outside of his control. And you can say something, but I wouldn't harp on it too much because, frankly, BV, he doesn't sound like he's in a place to hear it right now. In the end, this is his lesson, and he has to learn it, not you. I hope that makes sense. What you can really do in the end is just be there for when things fall apart. On the other hand, it might be a good friendly move, good buddy move for you to mention that what's going on is not totally normal and that your other friends that have significant others do hang out with their friends and they do get out and they do still maintain their other relationships. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think if something goes horribly wrong, he's going to have to lean on you. And whether you resent it or not, you might want to be there for him, unless this is a repeat pattern, in which case he's just not really a good friend. All right, next up. Hey, Jordan, the Roy Wood Jr. interview was awesome. I'm a musician in my free time, and that gave me a ton of ideas for how to get new gigs. I'm a financial analyst, and work has asked me to move from D.C. to Dallas. Over the last three years in D.C., I've built a pretty solid life. Decent career, solo music, in a band, girlfriend of one year, great apartment. I have a great group of friends, too, but I knew them all from undergrad, so we go way back, and I turned 29 this year. My boss and I are very open with each other, and he's cool with me working remotely and flying down every other week. The arrangement is sustainable, but I would certainly learn and advance more quickly being co-located with the rest of the team. To simplify, moving benefits my career at the expense of my music, my social life, and my relationship with my girlfriend, since I won't do the long-distance relationship thing. My girlfriend is great, but it's my first serious relationship, and I don't have an urge to get married soon. My dad moved the family for career and money reasons when we were young, and it ultimately led to my parents' divorce. That's something I tried to learn from, and that led me to the conclusion of prioritizing my friendships and relationship, at least for now. I also don't like Dallas. Nothing but chain restaurants, office parks, malls, and minimal walkability. Is this a scarcity mindset in disguise? Should I adjust how I think about this? Thanks for listening. Signed, Not Digging Dallas. This is a tough one because I see the lesson that you learned from your parents. I wouldn't say it's the exact same situation. For me, it seems like the solution you've got now, you're kind of half-assing both if you do this. you got one foot on both sides, and that's not an efficient way to grow. So I would prioritize your growth over trying to balance this or do both or trying to figure it out, quote-unquote. I would prioritize your growth. Lots of people are going to disagree, but for me personally, this is about focus, especially before you have a family, before you've got other commitments that will reprioritize your whole life. So I think your parents' situation was a little different. And you have to ask yourself, what do you want more? What can you give up? Is it the career? Is it the, the friends and the social circle? What do you want more? What can you give up? And what are you wanting to restructure or rebuild in your life? 
These are the questions that will get you the right answer. I can't give you the right answer, but I think you need to make a choice here and not straddle both sides of the fence because you're going to hamper your social circle and you're going to hamper your job and you're going to end up resenting probably both of them or getting fired or losing your relationships. So you really do need to pick one in this case, in my opinion, to prioritize growth. Again, prioritize your growth, not on figuring out how to do it all. Hope that makes sense. All right, next question, Jason. Hi, Jordan. If you had to choose to have just one skill that you would live and deliver well, what would it be and why? Signed, Curious Kathy. All right. Well, I'll, I'll bite on this one. Usually I don't answer these kind of things because I think they're kind of silly, but this is a good one. I would focus on rapport. In other words, getting people to know, like, and trust you. Relationships are everything. It's the focus of a lot of what we talk about here at The Art of Charm. The Toolbox episodes at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox are all about this. And uh, actually, that's in reverse order. Trust is more important than like. And it's the reason is because people will do business with you. They'll be friends with you if they trust you uh, more so than if they just like you. We've all done business with people that we trust but don't necessarily like. But it's a very it's a foolish person who does business with somebody that they like but don't trust. Same thing with friends. I've got a lot of friends that I trust and that I think are great people in a way, but I don't necessarily love all everything about them. However, there are plenty of people that I like that I'm not friends with because I can't trust them. And I know that's kind of a convoluted thing, but I think you'll find over time, people who burn your trust, you just got to get rid of those folks. People who you like and trust are great. uh, But really, if I had to pick one over the other, it's about building trust. And that involves rapport and that no like and trust is encompassed by rapport. So if I had to pick one skill, it would be generating and building deep rapport with people quickly and efficiently and doing so very well because relationships really are everything in business and in your personal life. And I have to say, after knowing you for, what, five years now, that's pretty much your top skill. Has it only been five years? I think it's been about five or five or six years. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. Feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? It sure does. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next up. Hello, Jordan. I have to admit that I've been skeptical to email you as I was unsure if you would read my message or not. After hearing your remarks in one of your recent shows, I figured I would give it a shot. I'm a 19-year-old university student in my second year studying consumer behavior, and I can actually say things are going very well right now. However, this has not always been the case. Last year, I began to suffer terrible depression, causing me to leave school entirely and return home. After taking some time off school, I decided I was ready to get back and complete my undergrad, but the depression started to creep back. That's when I found The Art of Charm. The insights I gained from your show, even after just the first few episodes I listened to, were profound. I began becoming excited for the next day just to hear a new podcast. I'm a strong believer that knowledge and growth are critical to satisfaction, and you opened up so many new doors for me. I began to read more starting with deep work, then essentialism, then motivated mindset, etc. It changed my life entirely. I began to take control and live by design for the first time. I continue to listen every week and think you guys honestly do the best job out there. Art of Charm made me feel more connected and gave me a whole new channel to learn and better myself. It might sound cliche, but you helped to save my life and get me back on track. And for the first time, I am on track to make the Dean's List. Well, congratulations. I just really wanted to say thank you, Jordan. You guys have really turned my life around. Best regards from up north, William in Wyoming. Oh, wow. That's that's awesome. 
I'm really glad that we're able to get you something not only to motivate you, but the skills to implement, to develop yourself personally and professionally, as well as help generate some self-confidence. That said, I don't think you're out of the woods yet. I mean, maybe you are. I hope you are. But that said, just get therapy, get treatment still, because you want to be prepared for the cycle of depression. And I don't know as much as a, an actual doctor, of course, about this. I'm not a doctor, neither is Jason. Uh, he just plays one on TV. But <laughs> this can be a cycle, it can come back. It may never come back, or it might. But you should have something in mind just in case so it doesn't sneak up on you, and then by the time you realize it, it's too late. Also, frankly, therapy is often really interesting. Sometimes it can even be fun. So I highly recommend it for pretty much everyone. So again, congratulations, but let's plan for something that might come back because you don't want to dismantle through inaction or through depression what you've built for yourself already, and I'm very proud of you for doing that. Thanks so much, William. And as somebody who has suffered from depression off and on for pretty much his whole life, definitely do exactly what Jordan just said. Get therapy and just have that in your back pocket and it will help you like get through the tough times because there are always going to be tough times and you don't see them coming and you need to be prepared for when they do show up and that you have your basically your your depression bug out bag ready to go. So you're you're ready for any situation. So, yeah, Jason, because I feel like for me, back when I was in my 20s, I had a lot of this sort of stress-induced depression, especially early 30s working with AOC often put me just in crap moods, you know, and we had a lot of, uh, we were taking a lot of fire, and it was really bad when it would sneak up on you and you'd go, oh, I've been in bed for two days, this is not healthy, and then when I finally started to realize, like, oh, okay, this is sort of some depressive stuff. I realized, oh, okay, I can just kind of make a ther therapist appointment with Yvonne, who is an awesome therapist, and I can just go and see her, and she'll straighten me out after a few sessions, or she'll at least make sure that I'm okay, and it really, really was helpful, because when you find yourself sliding, you can go and start to nip it in the bud instead of going, oh, I've let my life fall apart over three months, guess I should get out the yellow pages and find somebody. You want to have that person on freaking speed dial, in my opinion. Absolutely, if this is ever Because yeah. it's just not worth it. The feelings are just too crappy. You know, they're just too awful to sit there and deal with it just because you haven't set up a safety net. And a lot of therapists, man, they work on sliding scales, so they know if you're young, you can't pay. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there. And frankly, I learned a lot about myself through therapy. I, if, it, if I... Really, if I lived in the same area, I would probably still be seeing her just because she was awesome and just because I learned so much from it. I want to give a little bit of a head nod, hat tip to Randall listening in the Czech Republic. He wrote me a long letter telling me about his life there, and he said that he can see the difference in the older people who lived under socialism and still have their old habits. And actually, I thought that was super interesting because when I lived in the former East Germany and Germany in general, I had a friend who actually pointed this out. You can tell West Germans and East Germans at that time, at least in the 90s, by their body language. And he showed me how to do this. Basically, the people who live in socialist regimes, their body language is more compact. It's less open. It's less confident most of the time. And that's because of a cultural thing that has to do with socialism and communism, where the tall poppy gets cut. There's no authority taken by the people because it's all reserved by the government. And the government in socialist regimes tends to be a very, very strong, not tends to, is a strong authoritarian presence. And North Korea still has this. I've been there a few times. For those of you listening to the show, you know that. I've been, the, you see that all over the place. The body language of the people, it's not just the Asian culture. It's very much, it, it's very pronounced. The closed, 
make yourself small type of body language that you see among people who grew up in socialist regimes or still live there. And you can even see this in older people that grew up in the former East Germany. You can see nonverbal communication, especially if they are were not working, if they retired during that regime. They never really, their social contact never really changed their nonverbal communication. So if I look at a train full of people in Europe, I can tell which people come from Eastern Europe, which people come from the Eastern Bloc, which people come from East Germany, which people come from West Germany, just by looking at their nonverbal communication. And I even talk to those people and check my assumptions, which is an exercise I gave y'all a few months ago on another Fan Mail Friday or maybe a Minnesota Monday. I highly recommend you do this. It's really interesting to see how culture influences verbal communication, of course, but especially nonverbal communication. And uh, I think it's a great exercise for you if you're advanced enough to be able to check that stuff out. And of course, you can track some more body language content in the AOC toolbox in our iPhone app at theartoftrum.com slash iPhone or in our toolbox at theartoftrum.com slash toolbox. Oh, last but not least, there is just, I had this annoying thing happen to me, and I want to share this because I think y'all can learn something from this. I... Met a guy at an event, whatever. He said he was writing a book. Great. A lot of people do that. And I got a bottle of, of drink, of beverage, drink. in a carton. <laughs> a bottle of drink and also a manuscript for the book. And this is not a cl- person who's close to me. This is a person I never see, I never talk to. And I don't even, I'm not even totally sure how they got my address. Probably gave it to them for some other reason. And I got a manuscript of the book, and in it was this bottle of something that I ended up just kind of re-gifting because I don't drink that much, and I certainly don't drink this. And it was, hey, I'm looking forward to your notes on my manuscript. And I just thought, wow, this is a really socially inept thing to do. Asking somebody to read your book is a massive ask. And asking them to read your book and then give you notes on it, there are people who get paid for this. They're called editors. Uh, it's one thing if it's your brother or your best friend or something like that, and you know the stories and you want to get into that, and it's super interesting. This was just a very uncomfortable thing for me. I immediately recycled the manuscript. I'm not even going to look at it. I was almost annoyed by I wasn't almost. I was very annoyed by this. I regifted the bottle right away. And I just, I know that he meant well, so I'm not mad about it, but I just want to be, I want to make everyone very aware that asking people to do things like that, you've really got to think about the investment of time that that person is going to have to put into that. And you're going to have to balance that with the busy busyness level that that person has in their life. Look, if somebody is sick and they're looking for things to do and they're sitting in a hospital with a busted leg, sure, give them a copy of your manuscript. They might be grateful for the work. On the other hand, if somebody's running a business and has a family and is planning their wedding, don't send them a copy of your book and tell them to read it and send notes. I'm not just trying to be a complaining little whiner here and say, I'm so busy, I don't have time for you. I love to do these things for my friends, for people that are close to me. This is seemingly so random and it just, it turned me off from ever dealing with this person in any way because I know that they are not afraid to ask too much of me and of my time. And I want to caution everybody that when they're looking to do stuff like this, don't email PDFs of something to busy people and tell them to read it. Don't send them two-hour-long videos, tell them to watch it. It's just, it's an ask that shows I don't value my time, so I don't value your time. And that is not a characteristic that people who are go-getters, that are busy, that are business owners, want to see in people in their circle, and they will cut you out. So just be very aware of that, because I'm sure this person meant well, but this was a major, major red flag for me to just never deal with them again. And uh, I don't want that to happen to you. It's utterly presumptuous to send somebody work that they're not going to get paid for and say, hey, just, you know, why don't you do this for me? Because, you know... You're you. 
you know? Yeah, it's just, it's very strange. I mean, look, if somebody sends me three paragraphs on something and it's going to go in their book and it's about Art of Charm, yeah, I'll read it. But if somebody sends me their book about their story and I don't know them, that's just, it's so, just weird, it's a weird thing to do. I feel weird having to even put this in here, but I think there's a lot of people that have heard, I think there's a lot of people that might not even think about it, they might do it without thinking, so... I just wanted to send that as a little word of warning here. I hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us friday at theartofcharm.com. We'll get your questions answered on the air. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF for Fan Mail Friday 108. And I'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great way to engage with the show. And uh, Jason, you're on Twitter as well, eh? I'm at JPDef, J-P-D-E-F. And you can also catch my podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. We're in the Podcast One app because... Uh we're, we're podcast brothers, Jordan. Nice. We're on iTunes, or if you can go to uh, GOG.show, you can find out more. GOG.show. Those new domains are trippy. I know. They're nice and short, though. You can type them really quick on your phone. They are. Also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. Text the word CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the States, or just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We're taking you step-by-step on becoming better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your social capital and your charisma, and it's for both guys and gals. So check that out. Text CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the States, or just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. By the way, I host another show. It's a lot different. It's on the Forbes Network on Podcast One. It's called The Forbes List. I interview Forbes editors and other talented folks about the list that Forbes keeps of everything from billionaires to the fastest growing companies in tech to hip-hop up-and-comers. You can find The Forbes List anywhere you listen to podcasts. Quick shout-out to Blueprint and his team at Super Tough Dirty Work Podcast. They're fans of the show. Thanks for that. And also Chelsea. She's a yacht attendant, which is like a flight attendant, but on a yacht. Currently listening to AOC and in Central slash South America. Sounds rough, girl. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I'd love to shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps. Those we run every single week here in L.A. If you want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, check it out at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.